I think if you've known me very much, and I probably, you know, when you're on your seventh year of preaching here, I forget what you know about me and what you don't. Like, I forget what I share and what I don't. But I think that I've probably shared before that my family sometimes accuses me of barking last-minute instructions as I walk out the door. Now, I don't think it's barking. I think it's friendly encouragement and reminders. Um, But I get that it can come across sometimes a little bit like da-da-da-da-da. So this week, I'm actually going away for a couple of days on Monday. And um, I just know that I can't help myself. As I leave, I'm going to say to my kids, meals are in the freezer. Make sure you leave on time to drive safely to school. You know, make sure you wear deodorant, brush your teeth, that kind of thing. But above all, in fact, I say that fairly regularly, but above all, just look out for each other. Be nice to one another. Now, I'm really, really just giving encouragement, right? Like, I know ultimately I'm going to drive to Sydney and be gone for two days and they're going to do whatever they want. But, but ultimately, I just want them to be okay. Yeah, this is preaching to my kids. I just want you to be okay. When I say text me when you get to school, text me when you get to Sydney, I just want you to be okay. Anyway, but you know, I, I know that they don't really need these words of encouragement, or they do, but they don't really want to receive them. But it helps me in some regard. And ultimately, it always ends with, and I love you, or love each other well, or be nice to one another. Because actually I know that the details about food and cleanliness and clothes and scheduling and safety ultimately will all work out okay if they just love one another. And I've got to say now, compared to a few years ago, my kids love one another beautifully, so I don't want you to go and tell them that they're not nice this morning because they're great. But loving one another is so important, probably almost as important as that clean teeth and fresh breath and good, good smells. But, you know, in this verse that we've been looking at the last few weeks, we kind of took this verse out of isolation a little bit. um, And then I've been sharing some thoughts around it from other passages, which I will today. But I just want to put it in context for a little bit, where we've, this verse that we've been looking at um, in 1 Corinthians 16, 13 to 14, where Paul says, Be on guard, stand firm, be courageous, be strong, and do everything with love. I think Paul could be accused of barking these commands if he was in person, but actually this is a letter. And this comes right, it's the last chapter of 1 Corinthians. So he's writing this letter and he's about to wrap up and he he gives these last-minute instructions, last-minute encouragement like I try to give. Be on guard, stand firm, be courageous, be strong, and finally, do everything with love. So Paul spent 16 chapters addressing the Corinthians. He'd previously been at the church. He was their leader. He'd spent 18 months with them in person, but he'd left. He'd gone his own way, and the church wasn't doing brilliantly. Now, I'm not talking about numbers. The church was big. It was a big church. It was full. Many Christians or many people had converted to Christianity, but we read in that letter that it was full of cliques. Each was following a different personality within the church. Many Christians were very snobby and at their fellowship meals, the rich kept to themselves and the poor were left alone. There was very little church discipline, both in morals and and doctrines. They weren't willing to submit to authority and the kind of integrity that Paul had called them to for so long. There was a lack of humility and consideration for others. It's no wonder he spends that whole chapter, 1 Corinthians 13, a very famous chapter, telling them this is how you love one another. And here in chapter 16, his final words of encouragement. A few little commands, but it ends with, but do everything with love. 
I can almost hear him begging them, as I often do to my family as I'm walking out the door, please just love one another. Because Paul knew that if their relationships were solid, if they loved one another in such a way that everything they did came from that love, then really the other things would sort themselves out. You know, I would suggest that as we walk with God, as we live with courage, as we make choices and take steps in life that leads us closer to him, some would call that holiness. We, we sung about that this morning, make me holy, as we make our choices to, to allow God to purify our heart. He changes us. But the change isn't just for our benefit. The change isn't just so that we become better and feel better or something. The change is always for other people's benefit as well. God's greatest moments for us are never for us alone. You know that, don't you? Just about life. When you experience something by yourself, it's not quite the same. Phil's telling me that sometimes when he's away. I went and saw this yesterday, but it's not quite the same not having you to share it with. You get that feeling. Our greatest moments are never for us alone. They're always about our lives impacting other people. You know, our world desperately needs us to invest in courageous relationships because it takes courage to do everything with love. And so to finish this series today, um, to consider how we do everything with love, to consider how we need to have courageous relationships, we're going to have a look at influence. So I just need to take a drink. Sorry, but I'm going to be back there. So we're going to consider influence because human beings were created to influence others. That's what relationship is about. And no matter who we are, we have the ability to use our influence to shine the light of God brightly onto someone else and to build relationship with them. Or we have the ability, unfortunately, to use that influence for power and manipulation, to cast a shadow of pain and hurt on someone else. Influence is very powerful. And we live in a world, don't we, that can be very frustrating. If we look around us, we can see so many things that need to be fixed. And a lot of the time I think, oh, I just don't have enough power, I don't have the position to really influence the world around me. But really, God has created us each with influence for our world. And we need to consider how we make the biggest difference. And Paul would argue we do that simply by doing everything with love. The, the part of um, God's word that Karen read for us this morning. What a great story. What a great story about influence. As I was going to say, as, as Joe said, it's such a good point. Like, how often do we think waiting on the Lord means stopping? But last week I shared, actually, waiting on the Lord is seeking out. It's saying, do you want me to do this, God? Do you want me to do that, God? And, and Jonathan was a little bit unclear about what he should do. But he went ahead and thought, I think God might be saying this. And if it doesn't work out, it doesn't work out. We'll all probably just be killed. <laughs> it's probably a dramatic story. But this story actually influenced the whole turn of events for the, for the people of Israel. But one of the most important things, I think, that we learn in this text, or we see in this text in terms of courage, is actually about our sphere of influence. If you see um, Jonathan in verse 3, he says, it says, No one was aware that Jonathan had left. You know, Jonathan ends up saving the day, or actually I love how it ends in verse 23 when it says, and the Lord won the victory that day, because that's what it's all about, right? Everything we do, it's not about our own victory. The Lord won the victory. He spoke to Jonathan, but the Lord, it was the Lord's victory to win. But anyway, verse 3, no one was aware that Jonathan had left. Why? He had no position. He had a supposedly no power, no authority. He was just a kid with a sword, with a little bit of an armor bearer that nobody even noticed. 
the younger kid who helped him carry his stuff, he was no one of influence either. No one would have given them a chance if they had gone up to somebody. He could have gone up to, to Saul and said, hey, this is my plan, and Saul would have just probably laughed at him. He had, he had nothing, really, we would think. Nobody would have given them a second thought. But Jonathan, you know what he did? He asked the person he had influence with to join him. He was courageous enough to ask his armor bearer, hey, would you come with me and do this? In verse 6, hey, well, these are my words, why don't we go over and see if we can pick a fight with these bad guys? Maybe God will just give us a victory with this crazy plan. And that's a picture of influence. Verse 7, this is, this is the response. Have I got that here in verse 7? Go ahead. I am with you, heart and soul. Another version says, I'm with you all in, all the way. I think that's the definition in my mind of influence. Influence isn't about a position, it's not about power, it's about heart and soul. As I said, Jonathan didn't, didn't go up to his father, the, the man with power and position authority. He didn't wake him up and, and say, come on, let's go and do this, because he knew the answer would probably be no. So he forgot about changing what he couldn't influence, those people that weren't going to listen to him, and he went to those who could. He focused on influencing those people around him that loved him and that he was in relationship with. He didn't try to rally 600 men, which, to be honest, would have been my strategy in that case. This is a big army. I want to rally everyone up. I want to have all the big plan. But no, he took the influence he had. He used the influence he had to influence one man to go with him to do something great for his God. You know, so often we, I, feel powerless to make a difference because I feel like the resources I have or those people that I have in my life aren't, aren't big enough, aren't strong enough, aren't dramatic enough to make a difference. I don't have enough money. I don't have the right connections. I don't have the right position yet. We look to others and think, well, when I'm in that position, I'll change something. When I'm doing that, then I'll be able to change my world. And so often we do nothing, believing we are powerless, when in fact God has given each of us all the power and all the resources, all the people that we need to do what God wants us to do. Do you believe that? Everything you've got is just enough to do, or probably not quite because you need God, but just enough to do what God is asking you to do. Jonathan simply said, hey, do you want to come with me? Didn't wield his power, didn't say, you're my armour boy. Didn't say, I'm the prince, you've got to listen to me. No position, no power, no authority just relationship and influence. Think about the life around you. Where has God put you? Who has God placed around you? Do you have any idea the difference you and your friend can make or you and your family or you and your life group or you and your church family together? Who is my sphere of influence? What resources have I got to work with? Jonathan's situation didn't look that great. He had one scrawny armour bearer kid, and a sword, but God used them to direct an army of thousands and ultimately to change a nation from oppression to freedom. So, look around us. Proverbs 13.22 in the message says this, Become wise by walking with the wise. Hang out with fools and watch your life fall to pieces. Who have we got around us? Are they the right people? You know, we meet people by chance. I meet hundreds of people a week, probably. See hundreds of people, smile at them, talk to them. 
We meet people by chance, but we deepen our friendships, our relationships by choice. It's always a choice. And we need to choose our friend carefully. Another version says the way of the wicked leads them astray. I've shared before and um, in the past, I've read a lot of books about mentoring and coaching and that kind of thing. And regularly it's quoted the stat, you know, stats aren't always good, but the, the stat or the research that you are, you actually become the average of the three people you spend the most time with. The three people you spend the most time with. When we're influenced by the right people, when our spiritual roots grow deeper, the more solid we are, the more we're influenced by those people around us who are really good for us and for our character, the more we'll be able to influence those outside our sphere who need to see the love of Jesus, who may not necessarily be the best influence on us, but we need to influence. Let's gather the right people around us and then look out to see what we can do in our world. You know, as always, Jesus is the perfect example for this because you notice what Jesus did? Jesus loved everybody. He had compassion on the crowds. He played no favourites when it came to his love. But did he treat everyone equally? Did he spend equal time with everyone? We notice, don't we, that he called 12 disciples. And of those 12, he spent the most time with three that he said were his close friends. He loved them all equally. He cared about them. He had compassion for them. Ultimately, he died for everyone equally. But he was very intentional when it came to his relationships. He knew he had a limited time, little, limited amount of relationship ability, and he was real intentional. Courageous relationships are intentional. Who are the three or four people that you're connecting with regularly? You're allowing to speak into your life. You're allowing to mould you into what Jesus has called you to be. Jonathan's armour bearer, I've said this before, he didn't sign up out of obligation. Influence doesn't travel through power, but influence travels through relationship. Influence has this travelling concept. That's why we call, like, the flu is the middle word of influenza. It's like this travelling. It, 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 you know, it's contagious. Influence, this travelling with people, makes a difference out of relationship. Winning the heart and soul of another person doesn't come any way but through the strength of our own character and relationship with that person. I want to encourage you, if you haven't started reading the Bible this, week, this year in your quiet time, I want to challenge you just to open up any one of the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke or John, and read about the life of Jesus. Have a look at how much or really how little he... he, he, he you know, talked about his position or he, you know, was bloated up by fame or, or caught on the power of, of his ability to influence other people. Watch how rarely he uses that. But instead, he built relationships. He talked to people. He asked them what they needed. He invested heavily into a limited number of people day in, day out, and then he called them to live a life that would make a difference in the world. And, you know, we are here Thousands of years later, millions of people around the world will meet today or equivalent to today because this random group of fishermen were sometime, somehow transformed because one man, Jesus, took the time to invest and influence them for the world's sake. You know, there are two Greek words that Paul uses in his letters, in Corinthians, but also in other letters, for the word encouragement because that's how we influence people. We encourage them. Now, when I think of encouragement, I think sometimes of sending a card, sending a text, telling someone they did a good job. 
that's really surface level encouragement, but that's not actually the word that Paul uses when, when it's translated encouragement in the scripture. The two words Paul uses are parakleo, which means to call from alongside, or parametheome, I don't know how to pronounce it, and my mouth's so dry today, I'm not going to try again, which is to counsel from alongside. Encouragement isn't distant. Encouragement isn't something that's token and far away. It means coming close to someone's life, their struggles, their story. It's close. It's the voice that says, I understand, I get it, or I don't get it yet, but I want to understand. Tell me about it. So one biblical metaphor for the, for the Christian life is about a race, running the race. And it talks to us about running alongside one another. And we're called to, to encourage one another, not from the sidelines, just as we happen to run past on one little meter of a marathon, but it's about running alongside, being that coach, that, that buddy on the marathon. An encourager doesn't just yield motivational platitudes from the sidelines. We've all had people do that in our life. Sometimes it's not even very helpful. But they run with someone. They know what to say and when to say it because they're right there with them. They know when they must be due for some water, when they must be due for, for a little bit of a break, maybe a toilet stop. Encouragement looks different for everyone because what people need is different in different situations. Our job is to invest in relationships and then to encourage as needed. I love the fact that these words in the Greek for encouragement are the same base word for the word counsellor or comforter or helper as we read about the Holy Spirit. Now, we are not each other's Holy Spirit. We need God more than we need our neighbour, our friend, our family member. But just as we have been comforted and helped by the Holy Spirit, we are to do that for other people. We are to invest in courageous relationships by being there even when it gets tough. You know, this, as I said, this chapter 16 in Corinthians is the last chapter. And then a little while later, he launches into another letter. Obviously, they weren't quite there yet. And so in 2 Corinthians, the first chapter, verse 4, he says this. He comes alongside us, talking about the Holy Spirit, when we're going through hard times. And before you know it, he brings alongside someone else who's going through hard times so that we can be there for that person just as God was there for us. We can be there for others in the same way God is there for us. That's going to take courage, right? God gives us courage so that we can help others to be courageous. Together is a big deal for God. We are not created to, or func to function in isolation. We seem to be raised by this world to be independent, to not need anyone. We want to do things by ourselves. You see the youngest toddler that's like, no, I can do it. We push people away sometimes. But we're actually created to live in community. A few years ago, um, I was in the Philippines for my brother's wedding. And um, after the wedding, a bit unconventional, we all got on a boat and went scuba diving. And um, it was a little bit dodgy. There was really no certification or anything. But we got on a boat, paid $20 each to be able to go scuba diving. Um, normally the lessons take days, I believe. But we in, had about five minutes worth of instructions. And the instructions were basically like you put your arm out, they hooked you on. And then they said, stay together in two. Stay together in two. You in trouble? 
help the other one. That was basically their instructions. You in trouble, help the other one. Because we know, or you know if you've been scuba diving, that if something was to happen to your air tank, you always need a buddy because you can grab the extra regulator on, the, on your partners and keep breathing. A buddy is so important when you're scuba diving. There's going to come a time where you might need that person. Have you got buddies in life? Buddies who you can be honest with. Because there's going to come a time where you need someone. There's going to come a time where that person needs you. So I want to encourage you real practical things from the scripture this morning. To look out for people who you can be a support to. Who are you running alongside of? Who are you encouraging? Who are you looking out for? And probably just as important for all of us who like to try to do things by ourselves, who are you getting support from? Who are you asking for help? Maybe you need to ask someone to be a mentor. Maybe you need to just be honest and say, I need someone to run alongside, to pass on your wisdom, to have coffee with me. Both these things take courage. The most powerful influence is consistent. And Anne's going to come and start playing and we're going to sing a song in a moment, thinking about the fact that we need to do everything with love. Everything with love, not just some things. Don't go out today and choose 10 people you're going to invest into and then realise in two days' time, actually, I've just got time for one. Influence needs to be consistent. Do everything with love. You know, God loves people. Think about how far God was willing to go to prove that there's nothing more valuable than people. On what would be the worst day of Jesus' life, God's desire to accept people, to accept sin-scarred people, to accept people who didn't have it all together was so high that he allowed his son to die and to suffer. And while Jesus was facing unbelievable emotional turmoil and physical pain, as he suffered for the world, for you and for me, he demonstrated that actually accepting people is of ultimate worth in life. All he could do was cry, Father, forgive them, for they don't know what they are doing. Ultimate courage. Even when facing death, God couldn't let go of his preoccupation with people. And I want to invite you to follow along Jesus' example, to be preoccupied with people, to invest so deeply that, yeah, sometimes it might hurt emotionally and physically, but commit to building courageous relationships or sustaining those relationships that sometimes you feel like you don't have time for. And where do we start? As always, we start with prayer. And Paul, in his letter to the Colossians, just a bit later, he says this, Pray for us too that God may open a door for our message so that we may proclaim the mystery of Christ for which I am in chains. Pray that I might proclaim it clearly as I should. Be wise in the way you act towards outsiders. That's people that aren't yet in the faith. Make the most of every opportunity. Let your conversations be always full of grace. Don't you love these like consistent words? Always, everything. Make the most of every opportunity. Season with salt so that you may know how to answer everyone. I invite you to close your eyes for a moment. I wonder whether you would pray today and maybe make it part of your daily prayer life to pray, God, open doors for me today. Doors of conversation where I can say a word for you. Doors of new relationships, doors of first encounters with people who don't know God that one day might lead to a solid relationship where I can share about you. 
Would you pray today and maybe every day, God, please go before me. Swing the doors wide open so that I can walk into your activity. Give me the courage not just to sit in a doctor's room waiting bench, but to actively serve you today. If you want me to say a word for you today, I'll do it. If you want me to keep quiet but demonstrate love and servanthood, I'll do that. I'm fully available to you, fully surrendered to your will and your way. We're going to sing a song. And as we do, I invite you to recall names of people or faces of people in your world who you believe God wants you to reach out to, God wants you to invest in. Maybe it's people that you want to reach out to to ask them, would you spend some time with me? I need help. This song says, what can I do? It's a question, what can I do? Just where he needs me. And I love verse 2. It says, What can I do to ease life's heavy burdens? What can I do to help mankind in need, those people that I see struggling? Just where I am, just with my sphere of influence, right here and where I am. I don't have to go to the other end of the world to do it. Just where I am, I'll share my neighbor's hardship. I'll come alongside and share their hardship. Lighten his load and prove a friend indeed just where I am. I don't need anything else. God has placed me here. What is he going to do with your life as you seek him in the days to come? I'm going to sing three verses of this song and Anne's going to help play. And if you know it, please sing because my voice is struggling. But you have the opportunity to pray. If you'd like to come to the place of prayer and bring someone you love, someone in your heart to him and ask God, help me to fix, to grow, to build a relationship with that person. You have time now as we reflect on God's word. <laughs>